We've been in a new series out of the book of Proverbs, and uh, it's called Wisdom for Dummies. I know not many people say amen on that, but isn't it amazing how you can be the very guy that God spoke to and pin these words and make the dumbest decisions? What happens to your life? And so now here is King Solomon through the Holy Spirit pinning these words. And what is the purpose of the Proverbs? Here's the purpose. It's to acquire and then apply God's wisdom for every decision and activity of your daily life. Not just Sunday, how many know every day, amen? So let's go with our overarching scripture. I hope you put it on your screensaver. So it'll be out there again. Put it on your phone because I want you to memorize the scripture. But Proverbs chapter one and verse seven. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Ready? It says, say it with me. Let's say it together. Ready? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. How many know this is the word of the Lord? So last week, we started with what is the overarching thing? If I want true wisdom, true knowledge, if I really want to have that true wisdom and knowledge, the blessing of God, then what must I understand at the basis? And so last week, you got to understand the basis, and that is the fear of the Lord. And if you didn't listen to it, you need to understand what the fear of the Lord is. And he's not somebody just trying to, trying to sit there and, and, and look for you to do something wrong and zap you and fry you. What is the true fear of the Lord? And so we gave a definition last week, and so I want you to see it again. We're going to put it up on the screens. But the fear of the Lord is my reverent awe of God's holiness and love, whereby I surrender every area of my life to him. Every part he gets to examine. My thought life, my financial life, my educational life, my relational life, my sex life. Every part of me is now submitted to him because he is holy. That means, when, when we say the holiness of God, that means there, there is no sin with him and he cannot have sin in his presence because the wages of sin is what, everybody? Death. But at the same time where he knew that I could not attain that in my own efforts, he gives me the answer, puts on skin, comes to the earth, lives a sinless life, he allows sinners to crucify him, spit in his face, mock him, only to say, Father, forgive them because it is my love and my blood that cancels out their sin, that gives them access to a holy God. So God does not see Sam Reifkogel. God only sees Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of love for me. And if that is true, then I need to surrender every single detail in my life to him. Can somebody say amen to that? So here's the deal. When you start understanding that power of his holiness, his might, his authority, and then the love he gives to someone who doesn't deserve it, what happens is, is when I start getting close to the fear of the Lord, and understand that I get a healthy wonder of him. Why in the world would he save me? I get a healthy wonder, a respect, an awe of God. And once I get that healthy respect of God, that fear of the Lord, watch this. I am no longer enslaved by anything else. 
So if you're afraid to confront people with love, it's because you fear people and not God. If you're afraid of the economy and you couldn't even give to the Lord today because you're so afraid, I got to pay for the braces, and now he wants to go on a travel team with soccer, and I can't take care of that, and you're so gripped with the fear of the Lord to pay for that that you could not worship God with your giving, do you know what happened? You're a fear of mammon. You're a fear of money. Because if you understood God's word and applied his principle that gives you success, gives you blessing, guess what you'll do? You won't fear money. You won't fear finances because you have the fear of the Lord. If you're afraid, you're going to be alone. And so you start violating God's scripture and you give yourself away sexually to someone outside of the bonds of marriage simply because you want to use that as the hook to keep them. You're a fear of rejection. But if you'll follow the Lord, if you'll obey the Lord, you won't fear losing them. In fact, you'll see greater blessing on the covenant of your relationship through Jesus Christ and with that person. Is some, am I all by, by myself today? Amen? So what hinders a person? Somebody says, well, I want that. I want a healthy identity of myself. I want, a healthy, I want to have a healthy way I manage my money and my future and my education. Then bring the fear of the Lord into it and you'll fear all that other stuff less. You will. You'll fear it less. But what would hinder someone from doing that? Two things. The reason why people, <laughs> the reason why they get fearful, the reason why they're doing that, when they don't fear of God, here's the problem. Two things are in the wrong place. Did you remember what I said last week? Two things are in the wrong place. Number one, you're in the wrong place and God is in the wrong place. And it's not because God put himself in the wrong place. It's because Sam Rifkova puts himself in the wrong place. You and God are in the wrong place. But if you put God in the right place, I'll tell you something. Your fear will decrease over the world and everything in the world. And your faith will increase in God like you've never seen before. And the only reason why fear is increasing in the United States of America, and I've got the statistics to prove it, that we have never been in more fear in this nation than the history of this country. Gallup polled it. They do it every year. They do a global emotional report. The only reason why it's escalating in this world, and especially in the United States, is because we've lost the fear of God. But when you have the fear of the Lord, your, your, your fear of the world decreases as your fear of the Lord increases, and that comes through the relationship with God. Can I get an amen on that? So, what deceives you and me? What deceives an unbelieving world? What even deceives a believer to put themselves in the wrong place and put God in the wrong place. What is it that does it? And today, we're going to go through Proverbs and we're going to show wisdom on dealing with the spirit of pride. Pride is the problem of putting God in the wrong place and me putting Sam Rifkogel in the wrong place. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse, uh, 16 and verse 18. Let's look at what's up on the screens, everybody. Open up your app and you can take notes. And here it is. It says this, pride goes before what? <laughs> okay, so it's going to end bad no matter how you put it. Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before the fall. So it means the destruction hadn't come yet and the fall hadn't come yet, but pride is there before it. So people think because destruction hadn't come and the outcome hadn't come, so I'm okay. 
No, the pride comes first and this will always follow it. So don't deceive yourself because nothing's happened yet. You're like the guy that jumped off the 13-story building as he passed the fifth floor. He said, I'm doing fine. It's coming. It is coming. Now, now, let, me, now let, me, let me just put this in the right place. How many know there is a good kind of pride? There is a good pride, everybody. So, you, say, uh, you know, no, there's, there's a good pride and there's a bad pride. There's, there's a good pride where there's a, a self-respect. There is a dignity that you want to carry. There, there, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, how many have done a great job at your workplace and said, man, you step back and say, man, I, I'm glad I did a great job on that. That's, that's, that's healthy. How, you, know what, you know where I get great joy? I, I really do. I don't know how. I, just, I, I love seeing other people succeed even over me. I love when people succeed. I get stoked. I get excited when they have successes. I just love it because that's God working in their life. There ought to be a pride where you, you get joyful over other people, even that you work with who get promoted over you. You get joyful over their success. I think when you start thanking God for your family, there's a pride. You are proud when you see your family following God, when you see your son or your daughter in the house of God with you, getting wisdom with you. I'm going to tell you, there's something you ought to be thanking God. God, my, my, my son, my, I, know, I know our relationship and know is what it ought to be, but they're here, God. They're just wanting to learn from you. How many thank God in that kind of pride over your family, the favor that's coming on your family? You should be rejoice over that. That's a good kind of a pride. I'm proud of you as a church. And you know why I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to get, we're, we're better than them over there. I wish they could be more like us and be more righteous and have a servant's heart. I don't even do that. I'm just proud of you doing it. Just being Jesus. I'm not here to compare myself to the other church. I'm just trying to take care of what I'm supposed to do for Jesus. And you take care of you, but I'm going to do what I need to get done for Jesus. But, but I, I, I'm like the apostle Paul reading the new Testament. The apostle Paul was proud of the church and he would tell them in the new Testament how proud he was of them when they were growing in Jesus. And as a result of them growing and getting mature in Jesus, guess what they did? They started loving people, not just believers alone, but they started loving people that were unbelievers. He said, I'm proud of you the way you are. And he did it to the church then. So I think it's okay if I just stop for a moment and tell you Grand Rapids first, how proud Pastor Brennan and I are of you. The 17 years, and I've watched you grow and mature in Jesus Christ. And I don't know why you keep coming back to this place, but I'm proud of you. Hungry for the Lord. Hungry for worship. And then you take it and you just don't take it so for yourself. You're saying, God, mature me, grow me. And it's reflecting now in your love to reach other people beyond yourself, where you're looking to the interest of other people. You're looking at your witness, your wealth, your money. And how can I leverage this to reach more people for Jesus Christ? Church, I just want to say this. We are proud of you. That's all I want to tell you. That's good pride. That's what Paul had. Just keep following Jesus, growing him. But there is a bad pride that is self-centered pride. I've seen it in people, even believers and unbelievers. It's stubborn. It's a pride that will destroy you. It holds a grudge. It's judgmental. It, it gossips. It won't even admit when it's wrong, but it sure can identify it when everybody else is wrong. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. It's, it's got an ego about themselves that they think they're superior. It's, it's ego. You know, it's kind of like the lady that came up to pastor at the end of the service and she said, pastor, she goes, I just need to talk to you. I, I have a problem. He said, she goes, I just, I just, I, 
I've got this sin that I cannot, I cannot shake. He said, well, what's the problem? She goes, well, here's the sin that I'm dealing with. She goes, every time I walk into church, she says, I can't help but notice and think that I am the prettiest woman in the whole church. And when I look at all the other women in the church, they cannot hold a candle to me, pastor. And what should I do about this sin, pastor? He said, oh, sister, that's not a sin. That's just a huge mistake. Sila, Sila, Sila. Why is this pride? Why, why is it that Solomon would deal with this and Solomon couldn't take, deal with this? So he would get out of place and God would get out of place and yet the Holy Ghost used him to write and pin such proverbs. Why is pride such an issue? Why? Because pride is the root of every sin in our life that we commit. Say it again. I'm going to say it again. Pride is the root of every sin you or your pastor has ever committed or the world has committed. The worst sin is not adultery. The worst sin is not homosexuality. The worst sin is not murder. The worst sin is pride because it is the root of every sin where I say, God, Sam Reifkogel doesn't need you in this area of my life. I will do it on my own. I do not need your counsel or your wisdom. It destroys us every time. And even God says it. God doesn't say he hates the person. He hates that spirit of pride. Watch this. Proverbs 8, 13. Look what he said. Here's that proverb. Here's the wisdom from Solomon himself. He says, to fear the Lord. What do we talk about? The fear of the Lord. You get closer in a relationship. All the other fears leave. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. God says this. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. It is the root of every single sin that has come out of my life was pride, was the basis and the root of it. You know why? Because that's exactly what destroyed Satan. Look at Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 13, where God himself is speaking to Lucifer, the, the angel, the, the angel of light, the greatest, the most majestic angel. You want to talk about a praise and worship leader. The Bible says that in him were created pipes and he would just lead the host of heaven. And, and look what he said. Look what he said. This is an angel that he created. He said, you said in your heart. So you didn't verbalize and articulate everybody. It started right here. But it did manifest itself. You said in your heart, Watch this, underline it. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my, underline it, throne above the stars of God. This is Satan. This is Lucifer. God's saying, this is what you said. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Seven times in two verses, I, 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 I'll go up, I'll go up, I'll go up. I gotta be better, I gotta be above God, I gotta be above everybody else, I'm better than everybody else. Let me tell you, pride never takes you up, it always takes you down. Because God said, but you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. The reality is, folks, is you cannot spell the word sin without I being right in the middle of it. And you cannot spell pride without I being right in the middle of it. It destroyed Satan, and it will destroy your pastor, and it will destroy you.
Pride is what destroys. It is the root of every kind of sin. It is the worst thing we can let into our life. It could be a pride that flagrantly marches in a parade in the month of June throughout the United States of America, or it can be a pride that sits in a pew and hides under the cloak of a spirit, religious, religious spirit that condemns everybody else but will never let God deal with their own sin as they raise their hand in worship. Pride is sin no matter how you put it together, and God says, I want you to have the fear of the Lord and to put pride aside. How many thank God? It is the humble that gets in the presence of God. It is the humble that finds the mercy of the Lord. It's dangerous, folks. It's dangerous for you and for any unbeliever. It will destroy you. It will destroy me. Why? Because it's got so much damage. Look at the damage of pride. Just look at it. It causes, I just go through, go through Proverbs. You'll find a few of them right in Proverbs. Do you know that the basis of every conflict that you're in right now, pride is at the basis of it? Look at Proverbs 13.10. It says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice, those who take advice are wise. Memorize that scripture along with everything else. Proverbs 28, 25 says, he who is a proud heart stirs up strife. That means the proud, the arrogant, the person who doesn't fight, they will go pick a fight. They'll stir it up. They'll create the conflict. In fact, I'd go this far. I believe that the root of all our marriage and family problems are pure and simple. Selfishness. Selfishness, without a doubt. The spouse wants what they want. The other spouse wants what they want. Nobody wants to do what, what's the best interest of the other one. Because I will promise you in a marriage, you want it to succeed, it simply takes two unselfish people. That's what it takes. Seriously, some marriage counseling sessions could end with just two words and not 20 days of counseling. Two words. Grow up. Grow up. Mature. I'm here all week, everybody. I'm here all week. Seriously, though, many unresolved issues in families, I will tell you, a stubborn pride. Stubborn pride. I want the way that I want it, and this is the way I want it. Stubborn pride, I promise you. I'm going to ask you this. Dad, when was the last time you ever apologized to your wife? When was the last time you apologized to your kids? Wife, when was the last time you apologized to your husband or apologized to your kids? I can tell you we can stop a lot of conflict in this world if people would just not have pride saying, I got to have what I want. Can I give you the three most powerful sentences that are only three words in each sentence? Can I give you the most powerful? You ready for this? I'm gonna, if you don't remember Bible, at least remember this. The three most powerful words in three most powerful sentences. You ready for this? I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Seriously, you might even have a conversation with your son-in-law and your daughter-in-law again. There might even be a believer that speaks in tongues just like you that you might actually have a conversation. Three most powerful words and three most powerful statements. So simple. I am sorry. 
I was wrong. Please forgive me. Can, in fact, can I tell you that those three words and those three sentences can give you access into eternal life in the kingdom of heaven that will never fade away with Jesus Christ? Lord, I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. He says, come on in. Let's do this. You say, well, I'm afraid people will think less of myself. I think people will think less of me if I admit my mistakes. I will tell you something. People will think more of you and me when we do admit our mistakes. But pride is the foundation of all conflict. Somebody won't forgive. Someone won't receive. You know what else it causes? It causes bondage. People don't realize this, but pride causes bondage because it won't let go. It refuses to let go. It won't forgive. It holds hurts. It's always keeping score in the marriage. <laughs> you will kill your marriage if you're keeping score. If you're a scorekeeper all the time, I suggest you don't get married. It'd be the first time I do believe in marrying yourself because you're the only one that can deal with you. I'm kidding. But seriously, pride will kill your joy, everybody. It takes the joy out of marriage. It takes the joy out of companies. I'm around churches. They're speaking in tongues, but they're so mad at each other. People are stubborn. There's no joy in that house. No joy when they get together because pride will destroy it. Look at Proverbs 18, 19. Look, at pride. Look what it says. It says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Think of what he's saying. He's seeing he's fortified cities with huge iron bars that there's no one out and no one come in. That's what he's thinking about. His arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Pride will keep you there. I'm serious. It stopped people from functioning the gift and the anointing that God has had on their life because of pride. I've watched bitterness. People stay locked in bitterness, locked in rejection, locked in unforgiveness. But the truth of this, friends, I'm going to tell you, it says it's hard to win back. It didn't say it was impossible. And some of you think it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It may be hard, but I'm going to tell you, it is not impossible. How many know we can be freed? We can be freed from every bondage of pride, self-righteousness. We can be freed. We can be freed. You know what else it causes? The damage? It causes us to be judgmental. This is when we think we are better than other people. It's easy. It happens real quick. We think we're better than them. I see it happen in believers sometimes, especially at restaurants when they treat a server like a doormat. This food's cold. Take it back. I, I get it when things aren't right, but there's another way to approach it. They become unforgiving. They're judgmental. Judgmental people become unforgiving. They're unmerciful. I love when Jesus faced off with those teachers of the law back then, the ones that were rejecting Jesus Christ. On the Sermon on the Mount, look what he said in Matthew 7, 5. He says, you hypocrite. He starts out, he goes, you hypocrite. First, he says, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I know some of you, listen, you don't think Jesus is funny. This is funny. This is funny. In fact, this, is, this, is, this would be known as Hebrew humor. It is. And you know what Hebrew humor is? It's, it's humor by exaggeration. And that's what Jesus is doing. He was doing stand-up and giving the word. He was making an exaggeration. And he's looking, he says, you're complaining about the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye? Can you see the telephone pole sticking out your eye right now? It was, it was exaggeration. 
He says, here's what happens to a prideful person. You can pick everybody's faults. You can show the whole sins of the world, and they are obvious. You can show the sins of our culture, but you will never deal with your own prejudice or your own lying or your Because it can hide in a pew. And I don't want it hiding in me. Jesus pops their pride. And he says, you pick on everybody else's faults, but you can't see your own. And that's what happens with a person that's full of pride, even sometimes spiritual pride. Well, we're here, they're out there, they're not coming to church, go by the golf course, even. Should be in church like me on Sunday morning. I have said that a couple times and God convicted me. Can you hear this though? So we start blaming others for the condition of everything when we forget our own condition. That's the trick of the enemy, is to divert you to everybody else's condition so that you stop reflecting on your own. And that's where we start blaming everybody for all the problems that are happening in our life or in the world. And you know what happens when you blame? You are just being lame. To blame is to be lame. But that's what pride does. I like something A.W. Tozer said one time. He said, Pharisees were hard on other people, but easy on themselves. But the spiritual man or woman is easy on others, but hard on themselves. They're saying, God, I'd rather walk in the fear of the Lord. I got too much time right now taking care of my condition with you, my relationship with you. Because I promise if Sam Rifle will just do that, he won't need to be about having love for people and reaching people and even have the courage to say things that, don't need, that people are afraid to say. And so will you. You become judgmental. You know what else happens? You become unteachable. That's a danger to become unteachable. That's a horrible place. You will not grow. With pride, your heart will not grow. I'd rather be smart than look smart. I'd rather not know it all and learn than to pretend I know everything and just be an ignorant person. Because the moment your head starts swelling, <laughs> your mind stops growing. It stops. In fact, I, 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 I want to show you this one danger. I want you to see this on the screen for a moment. Here's a danger that I get concerned for myself as a person that's been in the house of God for a long time, teaches in the house of God, but I cannot have this happen. The width of your information about God does not gauge the depth of your relationship with God. I know people that know scripture that aren't serving God today. You can sit in a church and be backslidden. There are people that don't, even want to, that don't even know God that know Scripture better than some Christians sitting in churches in America today. But I'm telling you, just because you have knowledge does not give you a relationship with God. Because I've seen it. I've watched them walk out of seminaries with a Bible tucked on their arm and can exegete the Scripture and give you all the background and backslide sitting there knowing the information about God but never encountering the true fear of the Lord. Friends, it's not about gaining information. It's not just about getting good sayings. How many believe? It is about knowing the Almighty God in a relationship that continues to grow us in true knowledge of God and wisdom and discipline. You can come to know about God without, without coming to God. So you can be, listen, I can learn from anybody. Can I tell you that I have learned from people who hate me? <laughs> I have learned from my enemies. In fact, I have discovered my enemies will tell me the truth about me more than my friends will tell me the truth about me. Because a friend has no problem telling you about your flaws, but there are some friends who fear of man keeps them from speaking the truth to you. 
So sometimes don't just bind every enemy as someone being demon-possessed. It may be God being able to tell you the truth about something that's truly hindering you. I can learn. I can learn from anybody. I can, I can learn from anybody. That's why Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility, but with humility comes what, everybody? Wisdom. Pride keeps you unteachable. And if you're unteachable, you can never move from where you are. And if you can't move from where you are, guess what? You're stuck in a rut. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been stuck in a spiritual rut? Maybe you're stuck in a rut today. And maybe because pride will not allow you to be taught. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Sam? Being unteachable, can I tell you, will keep you in a rut. You'll never grow. You'll never mature. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is in crisis right now, but you're so afraid of what people think of your image of your marriage. You may even be speaking tongues and memorize scripture. You might even have a ministry out there, but your marriage is right now in conflict and pride is keeping you from signing up with one of our marriage mentors that are here saying, come on, if God helped us, he can help you. Let us help you walk the journey like he helped us walk. But pride keeps you from having a teachable spirit. Maybe you're saying, I'd like to give, Pastor, but my finances are erect. Have you ever surrendered yourself to a teacher that can teach you finances? We've got people that help do budget planning here, teach people how to start getting little by little out of debt and start getting their strategy together. But people are saying, I'm so afraid. I don't want anybody knowing about my stuff because maybe that money's going places you know it shouldn't be going. But maybe God says, if you'll let pride get out of the way, you can start. Maybe it's an offense and you can't get over it. Maybe you have an addiction here that's destroying you. Maybe you have a same-sex attraction that you're saying, I'm so afraid, Pastor, I'm going to go down this path, and I'm so afraid to say anything to anybody. Can I tell you that there are ministries here right now to help you walk in victory and to have the identity of Jesus Christ? Can I tell you that there are people here that have addictions and still walking through the addictions, but buddy, they march in every Tuesday over here at the Life Center going to celebrate recovery and walking out their victory step by step, day by day? How many know, friends, this is a place, a house of miracles. This is a house of freedom here. Amen. But pride destroys us. You become unteachable. But when you become teachable, whoo, glory to God, look out. Because when you become teachable and you become trainable, you will be unstoppable. I promise you, not the gates of hell cannot hold you back from what God has from you. When you are teachable, trainable, you'll be unstoppable. Can somebody give God praise in this house? I'm bringing it in for a landing, folks. I'm talking in a hurry, but I'm bringing it in for a landing. Let me give you two things. Deliverance from pride. That's the damage of it. God says, I hate it. It's the root of every sin in this country and every sin that comes out of Sam Rafa's life is pride. It is pride. It's the root of every sin. You know how to get out of it? Here's the deliverance from pride. Two things, real quick. Start serving. Just give yourself away with no strings attached. The greatest way to kill pride is to serve people. And the best, especially when you serve people that you know may never say thank you to you or ever bless you back. I like what Philippians, I love what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, 5 says. This is a really good scripture. I love what it says. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests. That means God's not telling you to be a doormat. He says, you got to take care of you. you. We get that. He said, no, I want to take care of your interests, but 
Also, why don't you look at the interest of others? Because the reason why God's blessing you is to empower and do something to help somebody else. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. That's why I tell everybody in this church, every person in this church ought to be a hero through GR1Serve. Every single believer ought to be searching and looking for someone they can serve. Get on that app, go look in there and go say, you know, there might be something my neighbor, I could just go start inviting them to church. I could go pray for them. I could just let them know I love them. Go look for a need from your kids to school. When you get ready to get on the campus, go serve them. Go serve somebody. I love people that serve. In fact, it's good for you. You don't believe me. Talk to Psychology Today. They did an article called Helpers High. Psychology Today wrote the article. It didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't come from Charisma Magazine or anything like that. They wrote it. They said that there are endorphins that are released when people serve and when they give. Endorphins are released. You know what else they found out? They live longer. They're healthier. They, depression goes down significantly when they're serving somebody else and when they're given to something else. Think about that. And they're happier. Can I tell you the happiest people in this church are? Can I tell you who the happiest people are in this church are the people that serve? You ought to see them. It's amazing. They're joyful. They're happy. They're serving. They're getting to know people. Yet, I'm telling you, friends, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch them. Some people go, well, I've, I've been in this church 17 years, and when somebody starts saying something to somebody that gets to me, well, I don't know anybody here anymore. See, I don't have the word of knowledge. I just have good access to information. That's all it is, everybody. When somebody says, I don't know anybody here anymore, let me tell you what that code language for. That's code language for nobody knows me anymore. That's code language. They don't know me anymore. That's what that is. And the best way for you to get out of that is go serve somebody because when you start serving somebody, you'll get to know somebody. That's why Jesus always said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life ransom for many. So everybody say serve. Here's the last one. You ready? You got to surrender. You just got to surrender. James 4.10. I want to show you. This is a powerful scripture. Powerful scripture. It says, humble yourself before the Lord. And what does he do? Something happens to you. He's the one that exalts you. He's the one that raised you. But humble yourself before the Lord, and he raises you up. He'll lift you up. He'll encourage you. He'll strengthen you. Humble yourself inside, and he will lift you up. You know, people say, I'm going to pray that the Lord humbles me. I don't, don't pray that prayer. That's a rough one, man. In fact, you shouldn't pray, God humble me. When you look at the words of the Apostle Paul, God is the one who lifts up. But he says, when it comes to humbling, you yourself need to humble yourself. It's a choice you need to make. It's something that you're not aware of and I'm not aware of. So I must give myself and humble myself. It is a choice. See, other people can humiliate me, but only I can humble myself. People can humiliate, make fun of me. I've had them do it as a preacher. I've, I, I, it just doesn't bother me anymore. Make fun. But I have to humble myself. And you have to humble yourself. He says, if you want to see God turn things around and lift you up, start humbling yourself and just surrender. So how, how, how? How do I do that, Pastor? By expressing your total dependency on Jesus Christ. That is the fear of the Lord. And pride gets in the way of the fear of the Lord. So let me give you an antidote for bad pride and good pride as we get ready to close. 
Jeremiah 9, verse 23. You ready for this? Look what, look, look what, this is so powerful. I want you to read this. Jeremiah 9, 23. Look at this. This is so good. He says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. See, because I know that God gives people, his people, he elevates them to places of position. And he does give his people wealth. And he does give his people wisdom. He said, but don't boast in that. Remember the lesson of the giant blue whale, everybody. Just remember the, remember the lesson of the giant blue whale. When you get ready to get to the top and you're ready to blow, that's when they harpoon you. Okay? When you think you're all that, it's coming. Pride goes before the destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. There's only one outcome for the spirit of pride, and it is a promise from God's word. Not just prosperity, that is a promise from God's word. But here's how we deal with it. Look what he says, verse 24. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. You ready for this? If you're going to boast, this is the only thing you boast in. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. How should we boast? It's only God and I will continue to fear him because he's the one that's truly given me the unfailing love. He is the Lord, not me, not you, no leader of a nation or an organization. How many believe he is the Lord alone? And even Jesus demonstrated it, friends, knowing he's going to be crucified by the very people that are sinners that need him. And yet he says to the Father, not my will, but I'm going to do the will of the Father. And I promise you, if you will do the will of the Father, it may look like you're going through crucifixions. It may feel like you're in a tomb, but I promise you there is a resurrection coming and you will be exalted. But if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, guess what? He will lift you up. How many believe it's time to let God lift us up and not ourselves, amen? Not ourselves, not me, not you.